I have my guesses on your how to pronounce your last name, but I wanted to ask how do you pronounce your last name? Um, it's keynote, like a keynote speaker. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. I will also accept Kanote, which is a common one and it sounds pretty cool. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good artist <laughs> name. <laughs> yeah. I overheard like in the show up one of the shows I'm in, I overheard this couple the other day like looking at the list and they were just like oh this artist is japanese like kanote and i was like <laughs> standing right there and i was like cool <laughs> <laughs> not, i'm not japanese my it's um it's like a german a german name that was i believe was like a hyphenated name that was like changed at some oh, yeah. point so yeah yeah cool check check David T. Miller, folks. Loading artists. Audio inside. Loading artists. Audio inside. Oh, it's Oddcast, it's Oddcast, it's Oddcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen by your easel, maybe you can grab a chair Or even take it with you like you ain't got no care Loading artists Audio inside Loading artists Audio inside So sit back and relax and grab your headphones too Adjust your volume, it's hotcast Philip J. Mellon welcomes you, so sit back. Oh yeah, it's Artcast. Loading artists. Audio inside. Loading artists. Audio inside. Hey and welcome to Artcast. As always, I encourage listeners to visit the artist websites or artcast.com. Check out the work as you listen along. All right, let's get started. This episode's guest is Brooklyn-based painter Debbie Kino. Words of the day: butterfly, symmetry, sharp bright and wiggly in the conversation debbie shares some of her experiences from growing up in the pacific northwest as well as being homeschooled until high school where her artistic life was encouraged at a whole other level now living in brooklyn we talk about how her experiences prior to that makes its way into her work as well as the city's influence also part of the interview are two questions submitted by previous guest, Connie Goldman. So be sure to listen for those. And now, let's welcome Debbie Keynote to the program. I mean, my work is, is um, it's definitely shaped. Um, that's also modular, which I think is something that is maybe a little less common with... Um, like the shaped category so that like with that modular aspect i'm able to do things where i can repeat shapes and then there will be a like a, a hole in the middle like some of the pieces you're talking about um, yeah kind of puzzle pieces right, right right i realized um 
I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but like even after digging into some of your titles, just the idea that, you know, a lot of it seems like plant life, like within this like sort of architectural hard edge squares and rectangles that are assembled. And it makes me think of like, I almost felt like I was cheating because I, I thought of like lattice stripping or whatever, like lattice that you would grow say morning glories on or whatever. Uh, Mm -hmm. and then, and then I saw one of your paintings, I forget the title, but like, Oh, it's right there. It's like, it's pretty obvious. That's what's going on. (laughs) It's cool that you, that you read the titles. I feel like, I mean, I feel like those are kind of my little like secrets I leave for people. Um, Yeah. Cause you know, the painting is what it is and it's abstract, but you know, you see what you see in it. Um, but the, there's not a ton of mystery, but the titles are very like, kind of like hidden little mysteries. Um, right. But yeah, there's a lot of plant life in there. There's a lot of like biology in general. And like, uh, lately I've been really into insects and butterflies. Um, there's also like, um, just, you know, like phenomena about like the human experience. Um, and like things that we've discovered, uh, whether it's through physics or like um, sociology or whatever. So there's there's a lot of just like um, notes to existence, I guess, as a as a creature of any kind mixed right. in. Oh, that's cool. I thought I remember seeing something about oh, what was the uh, something about the sky or the moon? Like was in one of the titles and probably derived from the imagery. Oh, what's wrong with that? Yeah, I'm trying to think which one that was. Um, I have one called Many Moons. That's it. Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, and that one is like... So sometimes they're, they can be like fragments of, of like sayings or sentences, sentences too. Um, I guess like that's something I say a lot. Like, oh, well, many moons. Or it's been many moons like since I see someone. Um, since I see yeah. someone. Which I think <laughs> is part partly from like growing up in the Northwest and having this like... Um, you know, this like this kind of country existence or like um, like homesteading and not not growing up in a city. So it's like a little bit of like kind of not making fun of that, but like laughing at it a little bit. Um, okay. Because like when you're in a city, you don't like see the moon very often. <laughs> you don't think about that. Um, and yeah. it's not like I necessarily thought about that as a kid, but um, for some reason, it's like a saying I like to say. So yeah. um, that was kind of a nod to that that painting. So you you're from uh, Washington State originally? Um, yes, the state, not the not the DC. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, um, yeah. Yes, I'm from Washington State. Um, I grew up on Fidalgo Island, which is um, better known as Anacortes, the city of Anacortes, which is a pretty small town. Um, and I actually grew up outside of the town, but um, most people know it if they know it from going to the San Juan Islands. Um, it's the last, it's the last island with a bridge. So you can wow. drive there. And then like from there, you take a ferry to go to the other islands. Um, so I grew up like on, on this, this like island with a bridge. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> so I had access to like, the you know, like the mainland. Um, yeah. but I also had access to all the other islands. Um, and yeah, it was a pretty, a pretty cool upbringing. Um, I was homeschooled. So I like definitely didn't, didn't, um, uh, didn't have a huge like radius <laughs> yeah. for my childhood. I spent a lot of time at home, um, but yeah. So, what was the landscape like? Because I'm, you know, obviously some a lot of landscape in your work with even the the boundaries and borders of the physical canvases, but totally. Um, well, the landscape in the Northwest is like 
I mean, I, I don't want to brag too much, but <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> but it's amazing. Um, it's funny because my um, my partner is from Brooklyn, and he like we'll do, we'll go hiking sometimes, and he'll be like, "Look at upstate," you know, and I'm like, "It's so cool," but I, you know, in my head, I'm just like, "Oh man, like you haven't seen the Northwest yet." Um, oh, yeah. But now that I've been here long enough, I think that like the, you know, like the the northeast landscape is really cool. It's just different. Yeah. But the west coast, like the northwest, like you know, we're so close to Canada up there, um, and that that whole area is just like it's wild. Like you have these lush, thick forests, um, rainforests, um, and then if you cross over the mountains to the east side of the state, you've got deserts. So it's like a pretty crazy state. Um, and then also there's everything's just like really big there. Like the mountains are big. Um, and then you're right by the ocean and then there's tons of lakes. Um, yeah. and it's like really dense. I think that's the big difference between like the Northeast and the Northwest. Um, as far as trees go, okay. that there's all these like, you know, there's moss and like all these shrubs and debris that are in between the trees. So you can't, you can't like see through a forest, um, the same way you can on the East coast. Um, yeah. There's something about that that, like, I think as a kid, uh, it really like makes your imagination go crazy because you're seeing you're seeing so much. Um, you can see so many things in that like density, um, or imagine so many things. I should say. Yeah. Now, was it your your work or any kind of drawings or paintings that you did before you? Now you're in Brooklyn now. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah. say like before you moved. Did, did that influence your work then or what did it come out when you came to Brooklyn and it was sort of like a homage or that's a good question um I let's see I think it definitely was in the work before um but I feel like I started working abstract with paint when I was in New York and so I didn't really like explore it with paint so much but I was doing like um like I grew up and when I was growing up, I was doing more traditional painting. Um, and then when I got to my undergrad, which was also pretty close to where I grew up, um, I started out doing like portraits and like figures for a while. Um, and then I was working abstractly, but it was, I was in installation. So I was doing more like, um, spaces, like kind of architectural spaces you would go inside. Um, and then my master's was in sculpture and that was here. And so that wasn't really until after my master's that I started doing painting again. And that was when I like was doing abstract painting for the first time. Yeah. Um, I guess it kind of was like wrapping around figures when I was on the West coast, but it wasn't so, it wasn't like the center as much as it is um, now that I'm here. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had yeah. that question. I was giving, um, I gave a lot of lectures to like my, um, um, some of my previous professors from my undergrad will invite me to like give lectures to their classes. And I got a question recently from them that was like, Oh, so when do you think like New York will start influencing your work? And, <laughs> and I kind of laughed and I was like, I think it does influence my work, but, yeah. um, it's just when you're farther away, you can reflect on something better. So maybe it's just like, I have the words now to reflect on the influence of the Pacific Northwest. Um, and I've been here like nine years. So maybe, maybe in like, you know, another few years, I'll have enough like time and space to like see the influence that um, being here is having on my work. Yeah. Now, how uh, it seems like most of what I saw on your website was, say, 
2020 and later or, or newer. Well, of course you have the archives, but yeah. Um, and, but some, like I mentioned the lattice or like some of the grid, so to speak, it, when did that come into play? Because maybe that's where the, the city grids are coming from or. Oh yeah, totally. Um, let's see. I think I started, um, that, yeah, that was around 2020. Um, I mean, I guess there's, there's definitely a tie to my abstraction and the pandemic because, you know, when the pandemic happened, um, I kind of like, like I immediately lost my studio pretty much. Um, oh, yeah. I had access to it, but it was like, everyone was basically like, we're not going like, um, and we like negotiated like a rent discount from our landlord. Um, so I was just working at home and I was, my apartment was ground floor, uh, at the time. And I, I had the room that was like on the street. Um, and we were one block from a hospital. So it was just, it was like constant, um, inability to like you know disappear and like imagine you were somewhere else I was very much yeah. like in, in the experience with like the the lights and the sounds um and so I started doing these little paintings uh in my room and living room and those were um they were like 11 by 14 inches or something like that and they they were had a lot of grids as like the basis um so I guess that's where it really started um I think it was just a way of like thinking smaller. How do I, if I can't go so big, like in relating to the body, how do I break up a small um, painting space and kind of make it more scalable in my head or something? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, but yeah, I probably there's probably some reaction to being trapped in a city like mixed in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd believe it. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like a. I mean, it's a strong word, but like unstoppable, like plant life, so to like like. Yeah. <laughs> nods to that to and then taking over some of the architectural sort of hard-edged rectangular stuff you know and where there's something it's, it, it's like it could be like positive or negative shape but it's not like it's the, the the gesture carries on so to speak yeah and I I really like tension in general in my work like that's something I'm always striving for whether it's the organic and the um, more geometric like you're saying or like a, a really tight brush stroke next to like a lo really loose moment um i think tension is a big part of my work and it's something that i find that i i like in other people's work as well oh cool i was just curious like maybe you could share what some of your early art experiences were like and when did you feel like you got serious about it um let's see well so i, was, I think i mentioned i was homeschooled um yeah. and i grew so i grew up on this like this pretty large like chunk of land outside of this small city um and it was a big family property so I was living with like I have four siblings and like extended family all living on this property um and so there was a lot of activities with the other kids and I kind of I was like pretty immediately just attracted to the art um activities and my sister um she's an artist as well so I was I was you know always like looking up to her and kind of copying what she was doing um, and then I went to, um, I went to a public high school. There's only one high school in my town. Um, but I like, that was the switch for me was like being homeschooled and then like getting dropped into the public system. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, when I got there, you know, my first like art class was, I remember being like really nervous and my, um, they went through the role of like, uh, you know, calling everyone's names to see if they were there and they got the teacher got to my name and he stopped and he was like which one of you is Deborah which you know is my full name 
And I was, you know, like raised my hand all shaky and he was like, see me after class. And I was like, oh man, like first day and I already messed it up. Um, (laughs) It turned out that he'd been following, like, even though I was homeschooled, I was submitting all these, um, you know, like submissions for like local craft fairs or like, you know, the summer, like uh, children's like art show or whatever for the town. And he'd been following along and he basically after class, he was like, I think you're supposed to be an oil painter. Um, I'm going to teach you oil paint, um, which was really sweet. He'd been like waiting for me to get to high school. Um, and then he spent the whole four years, like teaching me how to oil paint. And he had an easel for me that he had like the woodshop boys make, um, (laughs) and he brought in his own oil paints for me. It was pretty wild. Um, and so I had, I had access to like this, this, um, material that like, you know, I, I wouldn't have been able to afford, um and like a really good teacher and so then when I went to went to school I started out with already knowing like about color and um form and like all the basics of traditional oil painting um which is funny because I use acrylic now yeah. uh, but, but yeah so that was where that's where it started I guess it's great to have a uh, an instructor that really seeks you out or, or otherwise you know you seek them out and they really take you under their wing yeah totally yeah. it was it definitely was, um, I'm not sure that same thing would happen today, you know, and it was such okay. a small, small high school. So like, I mean, I, I think everything's gotten a lot bigger there, but like, um, the town's grown a lot. But when yeah. I was, when I was there, my graduating class was like a hundred. So yeah. it was pretty small. <laughs> what do you spend the most time doing, looking, making, or thinking? Hmm. It's a good question. Um, I feel like it's kind of equal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I spend a lot of time making cause you know, I also, I really like to sew. Um, so if I have, if I have like a day where I'm actually on track with my, my schedule, which is, you know, kind of rare, but maybe like two <laughs> days a week or something, yeah. um, I get home for like regular dinner time from the studio. Then I try and spend a few hours sewing. Um, and I cook, you know, I like to cook, um, so I, I do spend a lot of time making, but I think when I, when it comes to being in my studio, I do spend a lot of time looking and thinking. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think it's probably equal. Hopefully, hopefully that counts as an answer. <laughs> <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> They're, all over. They're all really important. What about you? What do you, what do you spend more time? Oh, goodness. You know, <laughs> I, I do spend a lot of time thinking. I probably, I think thinking and looking are probably tied and actual working is uh, probably a close third or a close second because and, and I'm not sure how common it is, uh, but I imagine that's not just me, of course, but to th- like I, I play out a lot of the scenarios in my head, you know, and I think a lot of painters are probably like, don't do that. <laughs> But I, I think about, you know, like what, what, what shape or like, sometimes I'll cut out uh, a shape out of paper and lay it down and say, is that right? Like the shape and the color and everything before I do mm-hmm. it. Um, I think it's kind of like moving furniture around my apartment in the same way. It's like, where do I want to put that bookshelf? Because I don't want to move it twice, you know? Uh, I mean, of course it's a possibility <laughs> and, yeah. you know, just trying to be an efficient and I guess efficient in a way and hopefully not too rigid in doing so, you know? Yeah, well, I think I'm kind of a 
I think I'm kind of a kinesthetic learner. So like yeah. I try, I try to do preparatory work across, you know, like even if it's cooking, like I try and look at the recipe, but I, I end up doing a lot of stuff just by failing. Um, okay. so that, so that when I do actually do it like the second or third time, I'm kind of in a flow because I'm not really thinking that much. Yeah. Um, but I was going to say that I feel like you forgot about listening because I spend uh, a lot of time listening because I, I like absorb a ton of um, like artist interviews and like books and um, music and things while I'm making. And I think that is a big part of um, like that stuff sticks in my head. Like I'll listen to yeah. other abstract artists talking about their process. Yeah, that's cool. I've, I, I should add that next time I ask uh, during an interview. <laughs> oh, when you mentioned sewing, it came to me again. Uh, that that thing I was trying to grasp at earlier, where I forgot what it what it was, and that was about like qu like making a quilt or looking at quilts, right? Yeah, patterns and things. Yeah, that's a big part of my work, um, especially recently. So I I mean I grew up. Um, I've been trying to write about this a bit more lately, but I grew up. Um, doing a lot of, uh, or seeing a lot of quilting happening around me. Um, my, um, a lot of them, like men in my family. So like my dad and my uncle and my grandpa, they were all woodworkers. So they would make, like do a lot of lathe work and like, um, build a lot of like literally houses like on our property or, or, um, like tables and things like that. Um, and then on the, on the other side, like both of my grandmas were, uh, seamstresses and my mom wasn't, a huge sewer but I feel like that was just like she was like I don't I don't want to do this I have too many kids but um <laughs> but like my sister's really into sewing um and I saw I saw a lot of it growing up and I wore like a lot of weird handmade <laughs> dresses and stuff um growing up and I think it took a while like I was always interested in it but it took a while for me to like start thinking that I could combine the aesthetics of sewing with painting because I've tried to like some degrees of success to actually add sewing to my painting process, but I'm not sure that's like, I'm not sure it's the act of sewing that needs to be in the painting, but I'm interested in the ways that like um, abstraction and like composition are resolved through quilting. Because like when you're quilting, there's certain things that are really hard to do. Like for example, it's really hard to use a, um, a circle because it's like in bunches and I've done it myself. It's like pretty, it's doable, but it's pretty difficult. Like it bunches. Oh, okay. um, and also if you're, if you're, if you're doing a quilt, for instance, you're repeating one shape over and over again, which means like if you're going out from all directions, it makes the most sense if it's a square or a triangle. Um, and so as an abstract artist, like I, I find it really like, I, I find that the square is a really fertile place to work because it kind of defies like the portrait and the landscape um and so i really enjoy like especially with the, the body of work i'm making right now trying to stick to shapes that would fit inside a square um so so yeah all the new all the newest work that i'm um making right now is the shapes of the paintings are based off of individual quilting blocks so like the one shape that would be repeated over and over again and the next part of the conversation I bring up the piece titled Leaf Wing, and Debbie shares a little bit about the piece itself, its relation to where the work might be going, and its connection to a butterfly. 
Listen in. The painting where it has, for lack of a better word, the shutters, so to speak, that, that you oh, have closed and open. It's, it's a, yeah, yeah. What's the title again? Um, Leafwing. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, and it's like a butterfly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the butterfly earlier, so yeah. it's it's already it's already a part of it then. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's I, cool. I yeah, that's that's so that's the, actually the most recent painting I've made, which feels weird because I made it last year, and I've you know I've been in the studio like five days a week for two months now, but I guess a month and a half or how many days we're into February, but but I've been making all these stretchers. So like my for this year, like what I'm trying to do is make um, I wanted to make twelve stretchers, which doesn't sound like too much work but if you know my work there you know each piece might have like eight stretchers in it and they're all like these weird shapes so I wanted to make 12 forms but that piece um which I'm almost done with but the piece that you're talking about was the last one from last year so it was kind of like it's a good way to like see where the work's going um and yeah I was I was trying to figure out a way to like show the back of the paintings because that's been like something yeah. that people have been giving me feedback on like I love your work. The backs are so cool. Like, I wish I could see it. Um, and so I was like talking with my partner and we were kind of brainstorming about, you know, the, that type of triptych that folds in yeah. so that you can see the sides. And if, if I had it mounted in a way that I could have it um, hinge and see the back. And then I had also been like separately researching butterflies and like um, all these like strange like rituals that insects have like where they mate and how they mate um and which ones are like related to what parts of the country and parts of the world um and I also find this like the names of them are really fascinating and like the the geometric patterns on on um butterflies and moths to be really pretty and even like the the caterpillars and like the the chrysalis um and cocoons like all the different things they're all like really beautiful source material yeah. um, for abstraction but yeah so all that is kind of wrapped into that piece that's cool i'm glad i know that now you know it, yeah <laughs> just um yeah i can imagine just where who knows where it'll go after this <laughs> yeah i definitely yeah. thought about doing some like really wacky like cool hinging stuff but i think i'm gonna pause on the hinging and like focus in on this like quilting block kind of yeah. star for a series and then maybe I'll circle back to that but it was a fun experiment next up Debbie goes into more detail about what a quilting block is it's so yeah I should explain that basically it's just the shape that you are repeating so like a, the most basic quilt a quilting block would be the square it's kind of like a brick and a wall so like you need you know your brick and then all the bricks go on top to make the wall so right. the quilt you need like your block and then you just repeat that over and over again. So it's like the shape. So if you had a quilt that was just squares, your quilting block would be a square. And then you're repeating it like outward from all sides. Um, but the quilt, some quilting blocks are more complex and they're like um, a triangle or like a star or um, maybe like a, a, a diamond shape that repeats into a star. And then that's the quilting block that, re that repeats. So they're kind of like fractals also or like... Um, a lot of people see my work and they're like, oh, this reminds me of like um, old tiles from like Spain or Morocco. And I'm like, totally. It's the same kind of um, like these shapes are really old and they've they've crossed a lot of different like cultures and traditions. Um, 
but yeah, they're they're just like very old abstract shapes. And you yeah. can it's funny because you can change them like just the tiniest bit and it makes a huge difference. Like if you add an extra little triangle on one side, the whole thing when you repeat it can feel like it's turning. Yeah. Oh that's cool. It's like kaleidoscopic or something. Totally, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was interesting that you mentioned, uh, you know, briefly about preparatory drawings, and that was one of the questions that previous guest Connie Goldman had asked and wanted me to present. And uh, she basically just congratulated you on your work for for that that you know just for what it is. And uh, I don't know if you could say a little bit more about preparatory drawings. Are you still using them, or is that? Uh, definitely. Um, so I do. I do a lot of preparatory work but um let's see so I I used to do a lot of just like drawings and then I would pull from them and um I started shifting in I guess the beginning of last year I did this residency called Plop in London um and it was a great experience but I was with like two other people who both happen to be, it's an international residency, but they both happen to be like American guys. Yeah. And so we were like kind of this funny group of three Americans in London for a month. Hmm. And um, they, but they were really nice, but they were also like really organized and they had, both of them had iPads and they, and like projectors and they were just like, and I, I was there with like, I pulled out all these canvases out of my suitcase and was just like laying them on the ground and they were like, what is going on? <laughs> and then I also had like paper and I was just like sketching on my paper and, and I I got very quickly I, I got the hint that like I was not being very efficient and so <laughs> and I was like well this is the point of residencies is that you see like yes you have time to work but like you also see how other artists make um really up close and so I yeah it made me realize that I should get an iPad um and so I came back to the U.S in March last year, I got an iPad. And since then, I've just been like, had a huge like, jump in my work, because now I for every painting I do like, um, I mean, the painting changes a lot after the sketch. But when I start out, I have like 10 different painting ideas or more that I'm um, choosing from. So I'll like, I'll do like, um, vectors in Illustrator, if you're familiar with that. Um, yeah, little. And I'll change the colors a bunch, and yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, so they're kind of like sketches, but they're they're mostly digital. And I do sketch on paper still, but I don't really sketch with color on paper anymore because it's just so fast on the computer. Um, but I don't I don't like I never so when I do these sketches, I never use them exactly. And I think yeah. that's a really important part is that I like to make sure I'm like looking at the sketch, but then it's changing as I see it in person. Um, Cause I don't, I don't I have a hard time just like painting from something and then it's done. It's a really like back and forth relationship with the work. I was curious about the symmetry and, you know, of course uh, it's probably obvious cause a lot of them are symmetrical, even if like a slight, slight asymmetry, a lean, I don't know, like when when did you start working that way, or like what what do you really like about that? The shapes are mostly symmetrical, but the paintings are are not so symmetrical, which is like kind of goes back to that tension thing that I like. Um, they, I guess, some of the more recent, maybe like the last two, have a bit more symmetry in the painting, but I like um, 
I guess I feel like the, I like when the inside is like more intuitive and like kind of has um, some, has a feeling of movement, but the symmetry of the actual outside shapes, um, that's, that's probably started happening like last year when I started looking at the quilts. Yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> no, I, I mean, what popped into my head about like, say the architecture with the curvilinear sort of like um, organic forms and shapes and everything. It just almost makes me think of like fish in a fish tank or something. Oh know? yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause there's something alive within a totally. very rigid. Yeah. Well that's, that's something else I should mention is that like, I'm like, I really like, um, I don't know. I like giving myself rules. I feel like that's something that is helpful for me as an artist. So I, I try and like, um, if I have a, if I have a boundary, then I can see how far that boundary can, can bend without breaking. Yeah. And so like, for me, like a rule is like, I'm not going to use any circles. Um, because like I'm making all these stretchers myself. Um, and they're, you know, like I said, it's kind of hard and quilting to do circles as well, but like, I'm also, I make a lot of like circles when I paint and I like having things be like really kind of flowy when I paint. And so having the, um, the like rigidness of a, of a straight line that the organic paint pushes up against is really nice for me, but I don't want to just do rectangles. Cause my whole thing is that I'm kind of making these shapes that, that, um, I want to see that are hard to acquire if you're just going to an art store. Um, yeah, yeah. so yeah, I, I like, I like having that rule of like, I can go as crazy as I want with these like shaped canvases, but we're not going to jigsaw at least for now. That's like the, the rule I've been sticking with for yeah, a few it's years. Like, <laughs> it's cool. Like have parameters. Sometimes you can like have freedom within it. Yeah, totally. I was going to jump to another question submitted by Connie Goldman. Mm-hmm. She says, uh, you, your work has multiple influences and straddles boundaries between disciplines. How do you describe your work? This is a good one. Um, so I, I describe my work as paintings and that's, yeah. that's an important thing to me because I, so much of the, you know, the things that are in my work, like, you know, there's some sculpture in there. There's a lot of craft in there. There's, um, at times installation. And I think those are all parts of the work. But when it comes to how do I describe it, I say it's painting. And the reason for that is that, like, you know, when I was homeschooled and then got to, you know, my undergrad, I, I encountered art history for the first time. And I was looking at the art canon, like the Western art canon, as it was taught to me um, in school. And I was like, man, there's not a lot of ladies in here. Um, and I And I started to, like, kind of realize that there was all this other stuff that wasn't happen or that was happening but not in the art canon so like the craft movements is a great example um quilting all that all that cool stuff and so my big thing for re like one of the main reasons I used stretcher bars um is because I want it to be painting and I want to bring all this stuff that we historically have said doesn't belong in the art canon like quilting like dyeing and fiber work because you know like I said I dye all these canvases sometimes I sew them and I want to bring that like into what we are like expanding into today where like 
that stuff counts as painting. Um, right. Yeah. I, I like that she asked about how to describe your work and mm -hmm. mainly because too, mm -hmm. that I always have a question I like to ask and it's, can you describe your work in three to five words? Now, you know, like, and I, you know, we have one of the words, I'm not sure if you can add any more, but <laughs> painting, but I, uh, and it can be a phrase or, or just isolated words. I'm yeah, just making you work hard now. Yeah, we think about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're definitely sharp, like the way yeah. I paint them and the way that the shapes are. Um, I feel like they're kind of vulnerable. Um, and um, they're definitely like wiggly. I don't know if that counts as an adjective. Mm. Um, and maybe like kind of like shifting or like, I don't know if side-eyed is an adjective, but you know that feeling where you're kind of like looking sideways at something like shifting. Okay. Um, I don't know is that, how many is that? Uh... I wasn't counting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was following along. <laughs> they're very okay. They're very bright. We'll, we'll end with bright. That's, that's okay. Five. Cool. <laughs> I have a couple words if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think I shouldn't say I think. I know that one of them is aquatic. Yeah. And and tidal, which is you know, an extension of that, like the tides. Mm -hmm. You know. I like that. Yeah. It was it was fun, and uh, I was talking to another painter friend, and she she said sensual. Mm. And I thought that was a good word. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, where I grew up, the tides are really big. Like you know the the you can have like I don't know like ten plus feet of tidal change, versus yeah. like here I don't feel like I see that as much. But like you'll have whole beaches that were you know like underwater that are exposed um and there's a lot of boating culture and i've done like a lot of sailing in my life and so you get you start to have a relationship with like where the tide is like oh is that is that high tide or low tide like you know do we yeah. need to move the boat like <laughs> and you can see there's whole worlds like underneath the tide um so it's cool that you picked up on that that's definitely in my um my lexicon yeah if you weren't an artist what would you choose to be Ooh, it's another one of those sneaky hard questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a terrible I, person. <laughs> I think, you know, I, you know how, like, uh, you know, like your parents, like your parents are tricky. Like you can have the best parents and you still have like dynamics with them. But like yeah. my, um, when I was home last, my dad was like, we were in the car and he said something to me. He was like kind of describing what we were all like as kids. And I was like, said something like well what about me dad like you know what are you, what are you gonna say about me like you know and he was like you had a real engineering brain and I was like huh I like that yeah. um and then it and since he said that I've been like looking so like I just built this kind of crazy wall in my studio where like all the all the there's like three different doors and it hides all my storage and they're like pushed to open doors and like uh -huh. I love building things I have a builder brain um and I hadn't really thought of it as engineering before, but then when he said that, it kind of like unlocked something. So now I've just been like walking around thinking like, am I supposed to be an engineer? Like, <laughs> <laughs> why didn't you tell me that when I was in high school? Um, yeah. <laughs> so maybe an engineer, I don't know. I, I'm really into visual space. Like I really love yeah. designing like and re 
organizing like and finding the best way to like move things around like visual problem solving which i guess relates to painting right because painting is the only place you can do that without any real rules like yeah you can just like splatter paint and that's a painting yeah Um, but yeah i guess an engineer cool (laughs) that wasn't so bad (laughs) (laughs) um another sneaky question do you have a quote you would like to share a quote um okay yeah this one um let's see there's there's one quote that I really like, but I don't know who it's by, and I think I tried to look it up once, and it just said like unknown. So sorry, oh. I can't credit anybody, but um, I'm gonna butcher it. But it goes something like, uh, "To dare to live alone is the rarest courage, for there are many who would rather meet their own enemy in a battlefield than their own heart in their own closet." Wow. And that sounds very romantic, but I think for me, I really like that quote not like I have like a loving partner and it's not so much that I want to be like a loner, but like painting or like spending your time in the studio is a very isolating thing and it's very vulnerable. And like you, I feel like there's, um, it can like, it's a, it's a hard thing to do. Um, and I think about that with my painting, like I'm always trying to make it more vulnerable. Like how do I, how do I show less? Like how do I leave more space? Because it's, it's like, at least for me, and I think most most people, we have a desire to, like, add more and to, like, fill in the composition more. But, like, the more you take away, the more confident it has to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I feel like it's, uh, for some reason, I think about the word generous, like with leaf wing, hmm. you know, giving, yeah. answering yeah. that, for, or just giving that mystery, like, solving that mystery for somebody and still having the magic involved anyway. And then... Yeah. Um, well I would say I would say that like you could argue that vulnerability is generous you know because you're you're like you're you're letting somebody in or you're letting people see something and that's why I like leaving like parts of the dyed canvas exposed because I want I want people to see the history because I think that's what things all about is like it's a it's a fixed object that shows all these different moves that happened in the past and then you as the viewer approach it and like try and figure out how and why it, it happened you mentioned vulnerability mm-hmm. and just the the presentation of your ideas when you get in front of them it just seems like that that's i think you also mentioned like confidence i think mm-hmm. is that right yeah so there's this the vulnerability in the confidence to present those ideas you know in front of people totally. yeah you know because they're gutsy in a way, you know, uh, for as subtle as they are in the, yeah. in the same respect. Well, I think it's really hard. It's funny because you would think that, like, honesty or vulnerability are, like, the the, mo- the things that are the most um, basic to humans. But, like, we're, we're taught to be guarded. Mm-hmm. And I think that translates to our work. We're taught to, like, hide behind things and make it, you know, harder to harder to see to like the core of something yeah Yeah. so you have to be confident to be able to like make yourself vulnerable i guess yeah (laughs) something i something i'm learning to i'm not very good at it but that's why i (laughs) keep painting right (laughs) like like trying to do things i'm not good at i have 
my question where I would like to know who you'd have like to have a conversation with a figure from history or present day and who would that be and what would your conversation start a question be for them? Okay, this one's a little easier. Um, okay. <laughs> for me at least, I would love to talk to Elizabeth Murray because, uh, and it's funny because like for a long time when I first started doing shape work, like, you know, years ago, people would come into my studio and they'd be like, oh, have you heard of Elizabeth Murray? And I'd be like, oh my God, no, never. Like, thank you for telling me. Of course I know Elizabeth Murray, but like, <laughs> um, and it was really annoying because I, I, I thought I didn't like her work too because I was just like, now I was a bit younger and I was like, I don't even like her work, you know? And then um, as I got a little bit older and like, I was like, all right, what's what's this lady about? I started um, looking deeper in her work and oh my God, she was not only a genius, but like, her work is just, it's amazing. Um, I do feel like because there's not maybe as many shaped painters as like non-shaped painters, we kind of like obsess over certain ones. But even even so, I think Elizabeth Murray was like so ahead of her time and such a like probably a fellow like engineer brain person. And um, I... I guess I would I would want to know like well a couple of things I'd want to know like what she liked to drink for coffee versus tea because yeah. she did all these tea like coffee cups but they could also be tea cups and like I'd want to know like because I, I know it I've I've read a bit about like why she did them and like the the symbols behind them but I would want to know like all right what were you actually drinking in there Liz like <laughs> um, like tell me tell me your favorite caffeine and then on a more serious note, I'd want to know, like, like, unfortunately, she started, like, she had, she had a bunch of kids. She also was, like, caught in a, like, much more oppressive time than I am, and, like, she managed to make work and have her work be taken serious throughout that, but she also, like, the amount of time she actually had to make was so limited, and I would want to just, like, sit down with her and be, like, what do you want to make now, now that you've, like, seen, now that, the, now that, like, you know, we've, We've traveled around the sun a few more times. Like, I think she died in, like, the early 2000s, if I'm not mistaken, 2003. Um, and I feel like her late work was so good. Like, it almost yeah. felt like she was just getting to what she wanted to really make. Um, and I'd love to just, yeah, ask her about that. Um, but, yeah. So, I guess that's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Have you seen, uh, I'm sure you've seen uh, interviews or features on her, but there's a good one on Art 21. Yeah, yeah, yeah a bunch of times, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. I've, I've, <laughs> I'm one of those people like, oh, did you check out the, yeah, yeah I've seen it. No, yeah, I'm, a, I'm definitely like, I'm a YouTuber. I, I come through like, yeah. I, I seem to love to look at people who don't really have more than a couple of videos on YouTube, so I'll end up watching them a few times, but. Yeah. I've also, I love her subway station too, like the. Um, I think it's on the E train, but yeah, when I used to, when I used to commute uptown, I would, that was my stop. Yeah. And I love looking through the big, like hallway with the teacup over it. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was just curious if you wanted to mention some of the shows you're in right now, some of the group shows and et cetera. Yeah. yeah um, let's see. I have, uh, last year was like a crazy year for a lot of like two person, three person shows this year. I'm in a lot of group shows. Um, I have one that I'm really excited about up at Kate Warble Gallery right now in Soho, um, in New York. And 
it's with a lot of like abstract painters that I've um, I look up to. So I'm really excited about that. Um, oh. I also have a I'm in a a really fun show at a smaller gallery called Bob's in Bushwick, and it's it's like a more recent space um, run by Sammy Bennett. I think that's how you say his last name. And it's um it's a really cool show. It's all these works on paper, oh. um, but a lot of them are like really untraditional um and i have a sh another group show coming up at 550 gallery in long island city it's the second group show i've been in there um oh, cool but yeah that one's not not open yet but it opens later this month well thank you phil i really it was nice talking with you and um feel free to email me if you need anything else so. oh cool thank you yeah and thanks for coming on being a guest totally a big thank you to Debbie Keynote for the conversation. Be sure to check out her website. That's DebbieKeynoteArt.com or over at Instagram at Debbie Keynote. That is D-E-B-B-I Keynote, K-E-N-O-T-E. -E. And a special shout out to Connie Goldman for submitting interview questions. Cheers and thanks. This has been Oddcast. I'm your host, Philip J. Mellon. Thanks for listening, and keep the dialogue going. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let me ask you this. Define abstract art. Oh, come on. Okay, here's a better one. What does this painting mean? I'm getting nowhere with this, forget it. Hotcast Home is A-H-T-C-A-S-T dot com. Thanks again. Sounds like the party's over, but you can still stay connected. Otcast Audio is on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher, and now on Google Podcasts. Otcast Social on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. Let's not forget about Instagram. Thanks for tuning in.